Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. So it is time for review of the week. Review of the week is your chance to be entered into a lifetime lottery to win a free masterclass that I've created for you. You'll have the choice to choose between a masterclass that can help you streamline your meal prep or one that is going to help you with body image. And every single time I film or record an episode, I am going to randomly choose one of the reviews that were left on Apple Podcasts. So just by entering one podcast review, you have a chance every single week to potentially win a prize. So this week's winner is the Julie M. And Julie said, fantastic. Serena is authentic, down to earth, honest, and relatable. She shares her own struggles while helping you to find the tools to be the best version of yourself. Highly recommend. Thank you, Julie. Super, super appreciative of your review. That review actually helps my podcast grow and reach more people. That's why I am so, so, so appreciative of these reviews. So make sure you reach out to me, the Julie M. Let me know I read your review and you can claim your prize. Today's guest is somebody who is going to inspire the bejesus out of you. I cannot wait for you to hang out with us in today's episode. Dr. Lisa N. Folden is a North Carolina licensed physical therapist, NASM certified behavior change specialist and health coach, and the owner of Healthy Fit Physical Therapy and Wellness Consultants in Charlotte, North Carolina. As a body positive women's health expert and health at every size ambassador, Dr. Folden assists women seeking healthier lifestyles. Her weight neutral approach encourages intuitive eating, body acceptance, and breaking up with toxic diet culture. Dr. Lisa is a mom of three, a published author and speaker, and her goal is to see as many people as possible do all the things they'd be doing if they weren't worried about their weight. As a regular contributor to articles on topics related to physical therapy, health, wellness, self-care, motherhood, body image, and fat-friendly healthcare, Dr. Folden has had the distinct honor of being featured in Oprah's Magazine, Shape Magazine, Live Strong, Bustle, and several other publications. Additionally, she is a member of the National Association of Black Physical Therapists, the Association of Size, Diversity, and Health, the No Women, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Inc., and serves as an expert panelist for HER Health Collective. Her Instagram is at healthyfit. And fit is spelled P-H-I-T. So make sure you go follow her and then tune into today's amazing interview. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Bod. I am super excited because I have here today an amazing physical therapist who every time I see her stories on Instagram or her post on Instagram, she like pumps me up with this like sassy energy that I don't know if anyone else like has this vibe on the internet. So I am so excited to talk about today's topic, which is that we're going to help everyone understand that fitness and health looks different on everyone. So Dr. Lisa, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about like what got you started on this journey? Yes. Thank you for having me, first of all. And I always think it's funny when people like find me from Instagram because 
It's my favorite app, but also the one I probably struggled with the most (laughs) and like getting my message out there. So it it feels really good when people are like, they feel it, they relate to it. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So I've been a physical therapist for 15 years now, and I went into the field kind of traditionally, just went through undergrad. I did a physical therapy program. I believed kind of the standard things that we believe in in the medical and health world and in, in the world you know, as a whole, um, as it relates to fitness and body size and weight and things like that. Um, So for me, making the shift into an understanding of health at every size and understanding of the toxicity of diet culture, it literally came from my continued efforts at weight loss. And they started as early as like 12 years old, 13 years old, which is really sad. Um, But I wasn't the type of person that would be screened for an eating disorder at that age, you know? So. Uh, it was the la- my last child. I had him in 2015. In late 2016, I gained weight after I finished nursing him. And I was like, what is happening to me? And so I went really extreme with my workouts and my eating and super restrictive lifestyle, lost weight, uh, felt better, but wasn't pleased. I wanted to continue to lose weight, but also felt like my lifestyle wasn't sustainable. So I decreased you know, my workouts from seven days a week to five. And I stopped eating all my food out of these restrictive containers and just started kind of like watching my plate and being mindful. And within a few months, I gained back all the weight I lost plus some. I was confused. I was in the process of creating a weight loss program. So I was like, why? How can I teach people about weight loss? And I can't figure out how to keep weight off. And so I stumbled upon the book Health at Every Size by Dr. Lindell Bacon, and then I went down the rabbit hole from there, intuitive eating, joyful movement, body respect. Um, I read Fearing the Black Body. I just kept going, <laughs> and I understood that it made me feel validated and feel like, oh my goodness, I am not crazy. This is not supposed to work. Diets were created to fail. And then I shifted my whole personal outlook and how I treated and worked with patients. And so now it's very much weight neutral, anti-diet, size inclusive, my practice for physical therapy and the health and wellness coaching that I do is all based around individual health, wellness and fitness and no longer trying to keep up with whatever trend diet culture is putting out there. So. I feel like everyone listening to this, I know I am, I'm like nodding my head and I'm like, this is my story too. Mm-hmm. Like this is, all, this is all of our stories. And there's mm-hmm. a reason that we're all sharing this lived experience. It's because diets don't work. Um, so, you know, something that I, I kind of, when you're saying this story, so you went from this place of, you know, promoting diets, promoting weight loss, you're on this journey yourself, and then you start your healing journey and discovering mm-hmm. health at every size. Did you experience a feeling of like, I'm giving up on myself because I'm, I'm quote unquote, letting my body go. I feel like that's something that I work with a lot of clients on. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. how you as a, as a fellow body image coach, how do you help women reconcile this idea that it's not letting yourself go? Right. Yeah. It's so hard because we are like, society tells us like, like that's, we hear that statement on television from other women. It's, it's women say it a lot. (laughs) Um, and it's internalized for us. So yes, I had an idea of, you know, being a very healthy person, which I still think health is important, right? I still try to be healthy, but also really at the root of it, being a very fit looking person. And it was very important to me after having my children to snap back. Um, and so 
yes, shifting my focus to health at every size was very challenging. When I started my intuitive eating journey, very challenging to watch my body gain weight. And I think, you know, people need to talk about that more. If you walk away from diet culture, there's a 99.9% chance you are going to gain weight. For some of us, it's temporary. For many of us, it is permanent. That, if I, if you had told me that before I took the journey, I might not have done it because I was so engulfed in diet culture. Um, so yes, I had that feeling of like, I'm letting myself go. Oh my gosh, I have a fat roll on my stomach now. Oh my God. And it's the silliest little things, but they hold so much weight and power over us when we are consumed by toxic diet culture. So as I coach women to walk away from that idea, you know, as you know, it's a lot of unlearning. It's letting go of the desires and the thoughts that we had in the past about our bodies and about what health looks like. And trying to start from as clean of a slate as possible. If we could all go back to the mentality of a baby. <laughs> I mean, you can't, but if we could, babies are praised for being chubby and round and roly-poly and happy and loving life. Children are applauded for growing out of clothes, gaining weight, getting bigger, getting stronger. We need to channel that energy as adults. Because we see weight gain, fatness, you know, increased size as completely negative and as a representation of worsening health. And it is not always the case for most of us. Our bodies are supposed to change. So try to help them understand that. Your body was never meant to stay the exact same. You're constantly evolving and you have to unlearn what diet culture has told us about, you know, gaining weight, being bigger having more fat on our bodies or whatever changes, you know, we're experiencing, but it's hard. And that's why I think coaching is important. You know, this, this journey every day we live under a diet culture ruled world. So it is beautiful to have a coach and some accountability, someone to encourage you and remind you and send you the research studies. If you're the type of person that needs the science, send you the motivational quotes and, you know, all the things that you need to keep going because it's very easy to start and then be like, I'm going back to a diet. <laughs> like, yeah, no, thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know about you, but when I first found intuitive eating, I, I was like doing it. I was feeling incredible, mm -hmm. but I was gaining weight and I went right back to macro counting. Yes. But then when I went back to it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and that mm -hmm. was like the thing that forced me to accept my body was like, once you start doing intuitive eating, it's just really hard to start dieting again. It really is. And that's what's beautiful about it. Once you know it, it's like you can't, you've peeked behind the curtain now and you just can't unsee it and and it's there. So you're right, having that knowledge, which is, you know, why it's great to to just get this message out to as many people as possible. So, you know, you, um, I think it's really interesting to talk to you actually about your unlearning journey. And I feel like, in this body image coaching space, there's all these different tools that we kind of have in our toolbox, right? There's that like healing energy. There's that unlearning energy. There's that grief energy. Like I don't, you know, I'm a really happy person in it, but sometimes we have to like literally sit in that like really sad, shitty feeling. Yeah. Um, there's that pump up, like embrace yourself, love yourself energy. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I really like attracted me to your page, Dr. Lisa, was like, all of this like sassy, like 
like almost fight energy, but like in a good feeling, not like a I'm angry. But I'm, I mean, I think we're all angry, but like, you know, this is like overwhelming, powerful. Yeah. Would you say, like, when you're coaching, is there a certain like energy or mode you're tapping into most that you find most effective for your clients? Or is it really just a combo of all of them? Like, what's your personal take on that? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And no one has asked that before. So I would say that it is a combination of them all, because I do believe in our space, we have to meet people where they are. And some people can't handle the sassy. But oftentimes, if they have recruited me as their coach, it's because they get that energy and that's what they want. So I find that I I definitely lean into that. I lean into that, you know, you know, like I curse, like I lean into like fuck diet culture and all of that. (laughs) And very much like it is a way of, it's an empowering thing for us, right? But it's also disempowering this patriarchy, this capitalism, this racism, this toxicity in diet culture. So th- you have to fight that. Like that, you know, you you don't come to a gunfight with a knife. Like it's definitely a, there's an energy that I think you need to dispel that nonsense and get rid of it and eliminate it from your life. So yes, that is my 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 preference (laughs) and how I approach um, my coaching. But again, sometimes with a lot of people, I have to meet them in a very dark space. So you have to meet them with a lot of compassion and understanding and recognize that everybody's not ready to fight. Some people just need to be hailed and hugged (laughs) and just reminded that they're worthy because, you know, I could say that yes, my body changing and not being the way I wanted it impacted my self-esteem, but not so much that I wasn't excelling in life. I was still graduating, getting awards, doing great things. You know what I mean? So I was still living a good life. I was still in love. And so I did not, my journey did not have me feeling so bad about myself that I was stagnant and stopped and couldn't go to you know, work toward my goals and dreams. And so I have to have compassion and respect for the person that is being impacted in that way. You know, the person who won't look in a mirror, the person who is dealing with depression, the person who is sad all the time. And so, yeah, I think a good coach can kind of see where the person is at and meet them there. And then ideally graduate them to that, you know, snappy energy that I prefer. (laughs) Yes, I t- I like I feel like that is exactly the way I kind of see it with my own clients mm-hmm. is just like we do have to kind of sit into that in that sad place for a lot of people. Yeah. But I love like I just am so empowered when I watch your posts. I can't wait for everyone listening to this episode to go follow you. Mm-hmm. Um so you know you you know I kind of love talking about how everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Um and everyone's body is different, everyone's journey is different and I'm kind of wondering like as we're thinking about maybe like the light, like if someone's listening to this and they're like, I, and I I don't know if this is a fair question to ask, but like, do you think there's certain barriers that make like access to accepting your body more challenging, right? Like I know for me, like I live in a thin, like white privileged body. Like it's like, I would assume my journey is probably easier than other people's journeys. And I'm just wondering, like, if someone's listening to this, and they're like, I want to just know that maybe my journey could be a little bit trickier. Mm -hmm. But like, I can still get to that finish line. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any like things that you think somebody needs to like, kind of like realize and like, be like, okay, this might be a little bit trickier for me. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, you said it, 
there are privileges given to some of us. There is thin privilege. There is white privilege. There is pretty privilege. There, you know, there are, are things that we possess, you know, at least societally, you know, understood. Um, everyone's not the same, obviously, but on a, on a grand scale, if society sees you in general as a certain way, there will be more access to certain things. And conversely, if society sees you in a certain way, there will, there will be less access. So for example, when I'm talking to people about body image and body positivity, I have had people in smaller bodies, you know, kind of timidly say like, okay, well, I know that this is not maybe, you know, almost like I don't want people to look at me like, girl, what you worried about? Cause you're so thin. <laughs> Here's the thing. Always the disclaimer is this. If you don't exist in a large body, you have no idea the type of discrimination and the inaccessibility that exists in this world, you know, for those people. There's a level of discrimination that a thin white person will never understand, you know, that someone who is in a large body and a more marginalized body does. So you can respect the fact that their their issues may be uh, more challenging that you can't understand them, but whatever you're dealing with internally, it's a big deal to all of us. You know what I mean? Like we're, uh, my, one of my good friends is a mental health therapist and she was talking about at different stages and ages of life, what seems like when you're a child, right? The biggest thing you're dealing with is someone at the playground won't play with you. And as an adult, you're like, no, that's not a big deal. Don't cry. But to that child, that is their whole world. So each of us are battling our own body struggles. And so it is important and it is, you know, vital to address that, even if obviously someone over here may have it harder. And so when we, I like to look at things very individual, but also be aware of the broader scope of things. Um, you just have to understand that, that even if your process is going to be more challenging because maybe you're in a much larger body, because maybe you are in community with people that don't understand you, perhaps you're one of the only people that look the way you look in your educational program or in your neighborhood or at your gym or whatever, just because it's harder doesn't mean it's impossible. And there are some steps you can take and some people that you can align with to help make the process smoother. But it, yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, you, it's going to suck sometimes. And sitting in that suck, sitting in that grief and understanding it's a part of the journey, it's going to take you a long way. But there's, there's no shortcuts to it, unfortunately. At least I haven't found them. Maybe I haven't been coaching long enough. <laughs> but I don't think there's any shortcuts. We have to do the work. And sometimes the world is not set up for us in a way that makes doing that work easy, but we still doing the work. Yeah. I love <laughs> that quote of like, it's hard, but it's not impossible. And yeah. I, I like, you know, it's one of those things where like, I, when people join coaching or like, even are just like following you and talking with you in the DMS or whatever it may be, I always feel kind of weird being like, yeah, this is hard. <laughs> you know, it's like, who wants to do a hard thing? Right. You know? Um, but something about, I think, being an athlete and identifying as like an athlete okay. or a runner, okay. I think for us, like we actually do like to do the hard things, right? Like oh, we actually, yeah. 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 And so, you know, I think like that almost sounds like a challenge to me. Like this isn't right. impossible. It's hard. It's like a marathon. Like it's hard, but it is not impossible. 100%. And like when you just said that, like I got chills. I was like, yeah, like, like let me at it. Like I can, right? I can do hard things. 
you can do hard things. And it doesn't negate the challenge. Like, you know, it doesn't mean like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Like, no, this stuff is a big deal, but you can still do it. And I had that conversation on the complete flip side, and this may be slightly unrelated, but um, occasionally I will engage in discussions or arguments on my social media. Sometimes I just block and bless, but sometimes I have time and I'm like, you know what, let me just set this person straight. Um, And so one time I posted something about, you know, inequities in healthcare and how people in large bodies don't get the treatment they deserve. And a nurse posted, um, (laughs) which is funny now to think about it, but a nurse posted, yeah, you know, this all sounds good until you're in the ER with a very fat person who, you know, we can't uh, administer anesthesia to, or we have more trouble doing X. She was basically saying like a trauma patient in a large body is really hard for them to work on. And I said, let me let me step back because, you know, my sassy energy will come first. I'm from Detroit. I don't know if you know that. So I didn't know that. But I was like, bring the sass out. Like, that's fine with me. <laughs> pull back Because I'm like, you know, I've been in the medical field a long time, but I am not a nurse. I'm not a trauma nurse. I'm not an ER nurse. So I started with the respectful side. Like, OK, I respect what you do. Thank you for your service, if you will. And I understand that I probably don't understand what it is you deal with on a day-to-day basis because, yes, that is high energy, high, you know, like that's a scary scenario when you're having people rushing in and they need attention, medical care instantly, and they're bleeding, all kinds of stuff. I was like, but let me just say this to you. Is it fair to say to our patients, clients, the community in large, that because something is hard to do for them, that it's not worth it for them? Like, is that okay? Are you okay saying as a provider, someone to care for people, to take care of people, to help and heal people, that your body weight is making this too hard for me to do? <laughs> so you don't your deserve point, it. Ultimately. Right? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, you're making, you know, you're, you're making a big deal of someone's body size. It makes it less accessible. It makes it less safe for them to go to get healthcare because you're judging them before they walk in the door. Yeah. And so your job is to help the person. I don't care how hard it is. There are other reasons it can be hard to care for someone, right? If you have someone with mental illness or someone with cognitive delays, maybe it's hard for you to administer their medication or so what? <laughs> you are still supposed to do it. The oaths that we take in healthcare say that we are not going to do harm, that we are going to do our very best to take care of people. So, yes, it may be more challenging. Yes, fatty tissue in the way makes it hard for you to get to whatever. But guess what? Do it and do your very best at it because they deserve that care. And let's just be realistic. The average size of a person is what? A 16 now? Yeah. More people are in larger bodies. So guess what? We need to advance our training, advance our care, and make sure that we're doing what's within our power to provide what people deserve. That's just it. Somebody in trauma, that's not the time to like chastise them about their size. There's never a time for that, being honest. But we're here to help. And that's it. And so that's it. I know that was a tangent, but No, that was that was exact <laughs> but but do you see how like society tries to trick us into thinking that 
oh yeah, like it's okay to exist in a large body until you're in the trauma ER. Right. And you know, I want to say I was a trauma dietitian and actually like mortality or like risk of death is lower in trauma patients with a larger BMI. All that fatty tissue, like, is protective. That is protective. I wish people knew that. I'm like, all of these people, because they're, you know, with COVID and everything, it's like, if you're in a large body, you're going to die. Fat has been so protective for people during COVID-19, during this pandemic. Like, I thank my fat. Like, you got me through this, baby, because (laughs) it 100% is protective, and people don't understand that at all. Yeah, no, people just like they they want to see the picture that's been painted to us that fat is bad. Mm-hmm. And fatness can be protective, fatness can be good. Mm-hmm. Um and I I just think this is like such a great conversation to be having because there's always going to be that oh yeah, like you know, I I wish I could accept my body, but dot 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 which yeah. actually actually has like perfectly comes full circle here. Mm-hmm. So the reason I actually initially found you Dr. Lisa um you know, was because I was working with a client who existed in a larger body Uh who loved to run. Uh And we were running into accessibility issues. She kept saying to me, well, yeah, like I need, we were on an intuitive eating journey. She stopped Uh binge eating. She was like happier than ever, like all these things. But she kept saying like, you know, my knees hurt. I have accessibility issues Uh um, and I want to be a runner. And that's when I reached out to my like colleagues and everyone pointed me to you. They were like, you need Dr. Lisa. Um, So I don't know if she ever worked with you, but I did, I did put her in connection with you. Um, And so like, you know, here we are. That's one of the stories that runners tell themselves is Mm -hmm. I need to lose weight because my knees hurt. I need to lose weight because I'm harming my joints. Mm -hmm. And I want you right now to tell me like, is that baloney? Is that true? Um, and like, what do you do for those those patients that come to you with mobility issues, blaming it on their body size? Yeah. So I like to start with a disclaimer that there was a point in my career where I was the physical therapist that would tell you that, yes, your body weight is probably impacting your knees or your joints or whatever, and losing some weight would help you feel better and help you be able to do more. I now do not stand by this statement. I now believe that it is baloney. And I'll say baloney with a caveat. Perhaps for some people, that is a truth, most especially if they have gained a significant amount of weight in a short period of time. I feel like our body's ability to adjust to that is superb, but sometimes there's a lag in catching up, right? So if you gain a lot of weight in a short period of time, Perhaps your joints are a little bit more stressed temporarily. But for most people who have probably always existed in a large body, your bones and joints are acclimated to your body weight, to your body size, to all of that. So no, the the thought is not you need to lose weight to be able to run. Now, what you may need to do is address underlying arthritis. Maybe we need anti-inflammatories. Maybe we need a surgical procedure to clean out the joint a bit, you know? Maybe we need some modalities like ice or heat, e-stem, you know, whatever, to kind of temporarily get you over the hump so that you can enjoy your runs and not deal with all the, the you know, painful side effects. Um, perhaps you're very inflexible. You know, perhaps there is a muscular imbalance, especially when we're talking about the knees, from your quadriceps muscle to your hamstrings. 
perhaps there's some patellar tracking issues. The kneecap is not tracking the way it should because of those muscle imbalances or weakness. Maybe your hip adductors and adductors are causing a problem. There are literally so many other potential contributing factors to knee pain or any joint pain as related to running or doing any sort of, um, you know, excessive exercise. A lot of times what I find with my clients, it's from their feet. They have flat feet or have extremely high arches and have minimal support in their shoes. Even when they go to the runner store and get the fancy shoes. I do custom orthotics for almost all my clients at some point. I wear custom orthotics myself because my feet are flat. And sometimes just making that adjustment at the foundation changes the pressure on the the knee joint and they are running like nobody's business. And I have seen that happen time and time again with my clients. So body weight, minimal impact on the joints is what I'll say. I won't say it has no impact because again, I think there are cases where it can, but for the most part, very minimal impact. And when I am teaching, I talk to pre-PT students or PT students. Um, I also talk to medical professionals. And when I teach them about that, I remind them that your clients deserve all of the interventions you would give a person with that same complaint in a smaller body. So if a person in a large body is telling you they have knee pain, stop doing lazy medicine, okay? Because it's lazy. Oh, you probably should lose weight. Eh, stop. Give them the same options you would give a person in a thinner body because they deserve that. And it's far more likely that those interventions will help far more than weight loss. And to be clear, even if I was wrong, let's just say you don't believe what I'm saying and weight loss is the way. Intentional dieting is unsuccessful 97% of the time. So if you are still a medical professional suggesting that to your patients, then you're doing a very sucky job. Because why tell someone to do something that you know only three out of 100 people can probably do? Lazy medicine. Lazy medicine. It's like, dude, come on. You've got to know. Like, you you got a lot of education, a lot of degree. I have a doctorate in physical therapy. These medical doctors, they go to school even longer than me. You have a lot of knowledge. You learned a lot of stuff. And if you've been practicing for a number of years, you should have a lot of experience. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. (laughs) People don't deserve your lazy. Okay. I love that we're taking the responsibility and like putting it on the medical provider because yeah. I think so many women and people put it on themselves. And yeah. what I'm hearing, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like a lot of those issues or all of those issues you listed aren't unique to large bodies. Like I feel like I've struggled with some of those issues. They're not unique at all to large bodies. And that's that's why I have such an issue with obesity being considered a medical disease or diagnosis because it's so stupid because there's nothing that is unique just to obesity. <laughs> like there's no specific symptom. It It's just dumb. So no, those, those conditions are what we see across the board. And to be honest, the people who are at, are at the highest risk of, you know, really, you know, bad joints and joint degradation and needing of uh, joint replacement surgeries are people who play competitive sports. That's it. So and football a lot of times they're meeting that societal ideal, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. They look fit. Yeah. They 100% look fit. And those are the people that typically need new joints, you know, throughout their lifetime. So, yeah, definitely not not a thing. It's just like so mind blowing because I, I think everyone hears you need to lose weight. 
because you of XYZ. I had someone text me yesterday. Um, they have GERD and their doctor was like, you need to lose five pounds. What? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I literally, anyway, we don't have to talk about that right now. But the point is, that- is show me the, show me the research doctor. Yeah. And I said to my client, five pounds is going to change my GERD. Did you have GERD when you were thinner, you know, 10 years ago? Yeah. Okay. Then you tell me, like, is that going to help you? No, it's not going to help you. It's insane. It's so insane. Um, so yeah, I hope that really, like, I hope everyone listening to this, like, does not accept that solution ever again from any healthcare provider. Anyone. Anyone. Um, so Dr. Lisa, you did mention if you gain weight quickly. And so I do want to actually dig into that a little bit because like you were saying, when we're on an intuitive eating journey and we've been dieting our entire life, we might gain weight fairly quickly because your body is finding its set point weight finally. And Mm -hmm. so I can just like hear the runners being like, oh, so, so how do we kind of like, like, what do you say to the runner that comes to you who has gained weight quickly? Like Mm -hmm. what would be and maybe maybe the game plan is the same game plan you just discussed. But like, yeah. what would you say to them? Yeah, and it's it's the same thing. A lot of it is, you know, providing that feedback and that comfort and support to know that these changes are okay. They may or may not be temporary. Whether they are or not, we can get around it. We can manage the painful symptoms. We can still, you know, you can still excel as a runner through, you know, very specific training programs. We can still manage your symptoms and pain. And it's not the end of the world. Like we'll get through it again. It may be hard, but we can do it. Does that mean sometimes you'll have to take a little time off? Absolutely. That's healthy and normal for anybody though. (laughs) So we, we deal with those, you know, peaks and valleys in our journey as intuitive eaters. We deal with those peaks and valleys in our journey to be marathon runners. We it's a part of the process. And, you know, as much as I used to be a, like a severe runner, like I, that was my thing. I don't run anymore because after my last pregnancy um, and my weight actually went down, but my joints did not enjoy it anymore. I felt like there was less um, stability in my pelvis at the ligament level, not, you know, from the strengthening because I was, I was pretty good with my core rehab. But at the ligament level, I felt like I just lost stability in my pelvis and running just stopped being fun. And I kept trying and trying, but I was like, you know what? It's not for me anymore. And that's okay too. Is there a grieving process that goes along with that? 100%. I identified as a cross-country runner. I ran long distance. I loved it. People knew me to do it. I'd be at college. People would be like, there's Lisa running down the road. Like that was my thing. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our identities have to shift and change. We are more than one thing. We are more than a body. We're more than what we choose to do for exercise. And so for some of us, that does mean walking away from something that we've enjoyed. But for people who aren't ready to do that, or that may not be their destiny, we work through it. We figure out how to alter it. We, we try different shoes. We get orthotics. We, we may modify, you know, maybe concrete running is not good for you right now. So we go back to the treadmill or we go back to the turf. We work through whatever is being thrown at us in that moment. And if what's being thrown at us is a significant amount of weight gain over a short period of time that our body is having trouble adjusting to, we work through it. Because like I said, for the most part, if that weight gain isn't temporary for some people, our bodies and our joints will acclimate to the changes. That is, our bodies are so resilient and they're so freaking smart 
and then the load on the bones, like it acclimates to what we're doing and how our body has changed. So we'll get there. It just may be a little longer or a little more annoying or a little more tedious, but we can still get there. Thank you for that reassurance because I just I just like literally can hear, <laughs> hear people talking to me. And you know, I just want to remind everyone, um, you know, like Dr. Lisa said, dieting like sustain uh sustained weight loss fails in 97% of people. Um, and if you're somebody who is using undereating uh, purging, um, over-exercise to maintain your body at this low weight, that eventually leads to injury. Like that is going to lead to harming your bones. That's going to lead to stress fractures. Yes. So when Dr. Lisa is like, there's this like awkward period where you need to help your body catch up to where it wants to be. If it is indeed at a, at a higher weight, mm-hmm. actually that's like the work that needs to be done because we were harming our body when we were restricting it. We didn't give it enough fuel and energy to adapt to our activity level. Um, So it's like this, it's like this thing that needed to happen anyway. And now it's happening, but it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's good. Good. It's good. And a reframe is ideal for that. I know that's hard for people, but the better the you know, the better you can get at reframing that thought process around weight gain equaling, bad <laughs> or equaling worsening health and understanding. I teach my clients to see weight changes as a very neutral occurrence. It's neutral. Here's the reality. You can be an intuitive eater, a joyful mover, and you decide, I want to train for a marathon. 90% of the time, if you start training for a marathon and running all those miles, even if you're still fueling yourself, you're probably going to lose weight. Your body's probably going to change. Don't get caught up in the celebration of that weight loss. Because guess what? You might not be training for marathons forever. So if we stop viewing weight loss as positive, we can stop viewing weight gain as negative. It's neutral. It's like, oh, I went to the beach and I got a tan. Or, oh, I'm wearing my hair straight today and last week it was Like, that's it. It's just a change. (laughs) It's just neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is what it is. Oh, there's been like some really powerful takeaways in this discussion. I'm like, what snippets am I going to pull for marketing? Like, this is amazing. Um, okay, Dr. Lisa. So before you share um, all the things about how we can like get in touch with you, work with you, I always ask every person who comes on this pod, we do not have enough women talking about why they love their body. So Dr. Lisa, mm. why do you love your bod? Oh, I love that question. So it's changed over the years. I used to be, uh, you know, shaped a little different, weighed a little different. And I definitely, my focus was way more on maintaining something, you know, from childhood, which is silly. But (laughs) so as I, as an adult, 41 year old woman with three kids, I've had two vaginal deliveries, one C-section. I have been lately in love with like, this is going to sound vain, but my cleavage. I didn't think my boobs were going to kind of fill back out after breastfeeding three kids, but they have really well. And I've actually had people ask me if I've had a boob job. So I <laughs> so I've, I have come to appreciate my full bosom. I think that's a cool thing. I very much appreciate hips. I have, you know, pretty wide <laughs> hips. And sometimes it makes jean shopping hard as hell, but I just think they're beautiful and womanly. And it, it speaks to the fact that I've had multiple children, of course. So I like those parts of my body. And I like my skin. It's pretty soft. I'm a very like big lotion and, you know, aquaphor woman. I've definitely always oiled up. <laughs> so I find myself rubbing my arms every now and again, like, oh, you know, 
So yeah, I very much appreciate and value my body in a way that I never have when it was 50 pounds smaller, you know, so I'm very proud of that. Oh, it like makes me feel so good inside just to hear women like singing their own praises. So yeah, girl, you rock your body. I like and... that question. That's so good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So now that everyone knows why I'm so obsessed with you, <laughs> can you tell everyone, um, I have all your information linked in the show notes, but can you just tell everyone um, how they can follow you on Instagram, how they can work for, with you and any other information you want to share? Yes. Thank you so much. So Instagram is my happy place. You can always find me there. I'm at healthy fit. Fit is spelled P-H-I-T. Otherwise healthy is normal. So um, find me there. I am responsive to DMs. Um, I love when you guys talk in my stories or my um, polls and and message me. I'm very much active there. My website is healthyfit.com. Um, in the process of a little bit of a rebrand, I hadn't updated my uh, physical therapy stuff on, um, since, I don't know, maybe my first transition into health at every size. So you can find me there um, and just know that that'll be changing. I am um, always like doing a, a quarterly enrollment for my health coaching program. It's a six week program where we talk about body image, joyful movement. We touch on intuitive eating and it just helps people actualize and understand what health looks like for them as an individual. I keep the groups really small because I want to give you as much of my attention as I can. So um, those links are in my bio on Instagram. So you can sign up for that or sign up for a call. Or if you need physical therapy and you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, reach out to me. I'm currently doing virtual and home-based services. Um, but as of March, I'll be a part of a collective. It will be an anti-diet space where you can actually come in for your in-person physical therapy. And I want to see people in all different bodies sizes. Um, we will have furniture and things that make you feel comfortable and at home and maintain your integrity and all those things. So, Oh, oh my God. Thank you for sharing all that. I can't wait for everyone to follow you and learn all the things from you. Thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. I appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.